Thank you, band, as we sang about the incredible goodness of God working in our lives, putting us together like pieces in a Lego set that I had a lot of fun building on Friday. But I will say, um, Emily, my fiance, would agree that there were a couple times when I got frustrated because I couldn't find the right piece and it wouldn't go together the right way, even though I'm in my 20s. I struggled to finish a Lego set. Here we are. But this is a long-winded way for me to say that it is easy for us to worry sometimes about what we're doing. It is easy for us to worry about our plans. Now, who here is hosting Thanksgiving this year? Let me tell you about the time that I hosted Thanksgiving for the first time. I was on Vicarage in Wake Forest, North Carolina. For those of you that don't know what a vicarage is, think of it like a pastor internship for a year at a congregation. Mine was in North Carolina, Emily's home congregation. We weren't going out yet, though, so I was on my own. And my parents and my sister and my brother-in-law were going to come into town because they're from Wisconsin. And you could imagine, hmm... Wisconsin in November, where it's cold and miserable, or North Carolina in November, where it's much nicer. I can't blame them for coming south, but yes. But considering that my normal contribution to Thanksgiving meals or holiday gatherings of any kind is usually beer or bread rolls, this would be quite the undertaking that I was going through and went about as well as you could have expected. That means it didn't go well at all. But the entire week before, I was chasing down dishware and ingredients that I didn't even know existed in some cases, but things I didn't know I would need. And even the day of, I was running around like a crazy person trying to figure it all out. My goal was to be the best host that I possibly could be, and what happened was anything but. The food wasn't on time, the chicken was fairly dry. That's a bad sin, apparently, but yes. But no, it was not how it should have been. This, can just, this little story helps illustrate that when we plan for ourselves and how we are seen by others, it tends to end in a lot of worry. I'm not sure, but I'm willing to bet that I'm not the only one that has experience this problem of worry. We seem to have an epidemic of worry, of stress, of anxiety in our culture today. A recent Gallup poll from the New York Times stated that in the United States, about 55% of adults said that they experience stress compared with just 35% globally. Now that's a lot of stressed out people. If this stat's to be believed, over half of us have some sort of problems with worry today that are gathered here. I'm sure that you and I can think of times in our lives when we end up paralyzed by fear, by worry, by anxiety. It's easy for us to worry about the little things and then end up blowing them up out of proportion. Like getting an assignment at work that doesn't seem that important in the long run. Like making sure your friends and your family are impressed by your awesome Thanksgiving Day hosting skills. 
like making sure the bills get paid week in and week out. But these small worries can quickly snowball into much bigger ones. Those relentless bills seem to keep coming in, and more and more people seem to struggle to make ends meet. No matter what skills or possessions you may acquire, no one seems to be impressed by what you've done. Maybe you dread your work, your career, and it's been years since you felt like you've done anything meaningful with your life. You see it slowly ebbing away. It's easy for us to work. These problems are a symptom of something I would like to call materialism. Materialism is finding meaning in our stuff, all the different things that we have or what other people think of the stuff that we have. It's always looking to accrue more and more to get more amplitude in what we possess. It's always on the lookout for the next big thing, the new car to buy, the iPhone to own, the perfect Thanksgiving Day spread. The trouble with materialism, though, is that all these things in life are temporary and transient. In fact, life itself is temporary. Like in our epistle reading for today, our second reading, the Apostle James says in his letter, What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And I'm guilty of this too, but this can be hard news when you and I Play too much, place too much value on what we have and how we appear to others. I think it's a key reason why Americans in particular are so stressed, because we've been blessed with a lot of different stuff compared to a lot of the rest of the world. Uh, the more value, the more valuables, the more things we have, the more stressed we can be, simply trying to maintain and to own and to always accrue more and more. But our Jesus in our gospel lesson for today has a very different message to say. He says, and it's the story of God's great plan of redemption. He says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Jesus' response to all of our material problems is this. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. Trust me. Now, it can be pretty easy to hear this message of gospel of good news, and you can think of it as just a little patronizing if we're going to be honest. You might think, really, how is trusting God going to help me pay my bills, to put food on the table or the clothes that are on my back? sinful creatures have a tendency to trust in ourselves instead of trusting in others or in trusting in God. It takes time. It takes hard work for you and I to trust someone. And if trust erodes away, which it can do very quickly, worry seems to find its way in all too quickly. Reality is we can Trust God with everything because He's perfectly 
trustworthy. And our relationship with him is different than any other relationship that we have. In the waters of your baptism, God claimed you as his own. Here's for you. You are his, and there is nothing that can take the gift of his love and his care away from you. He's claimed you as a part of his own family, and for your inheritance, God promises you deliverance from our biggest worry, death itself. And God's good for his promises. We have faith. We trust that we will rise again someday. And this trust is found in Jesus who loved us and gave himself for us. And just as Jesus rose from the dead, he is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. You and I will raise from the dead too. This is the sure, solid foundation, the bedrock in which our faith is found. We trust in the God who's powerful enough to raise us from the dead someday into the new creation where we will live worry-free forever. The Holy Spirit enables us to do this, to trust in our triune God. And thanks to God, we don't just trust him with the big thing, the promise of eternal life in his coming kingdom, but we trust him with everything. God enables us to trust him with every aspect of our lives, from our time to our relationships, from our finances to the food that is on our tables. And as your trust in God grows, you may find that worry grows less less. Trust wins out over worry. Granted, this is a hard thing for us to do. Really hard. I struggle with it every day. This perfect relationship that we have is imperfect because of our sin, our shortcomings, but God is still in charge of his creation. There's, there's an order to it. It's called taxis in the Greek. Um, but it tells about how God instilled an order into creation, that we have a proper way that we operate. I like to compare it to a small block Chevy V8 sometimes. Any Chevy lovers out there? No? That's okay. But no, there's a lot of moving parts in this engine, and it takes a lot of work to make sure that that thing's running efficiently. And God has put a lot of work into us and likes us to operate in a certain way. Just like a Lego set um, puts together is put together in a certain way. He orders his creatures to act in certain ways. As Jesus says in our gospel reading for today, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? God cares for every animal in his creation. Who here has seen... Uh, Flocks of birds flying south for the winter. I'm just curious. Anyone yet? When I was living up north in Wisconsin growing up, um, it was a 20-minute drive to school there and back. I remember seeing these flocks of birds um, flying down south around this time and then back north come spring. I always remember seeing geese for some reason. I don't know. They're big birds. They're loud. They're obnoxious. Um, I always saw them. I don't know. But yes. But 
are, it's remarkable when you think about the incredible seasonal journeys that these birds make, that God hardwired into them this instinct to go for these vast journeys, these vast periods of time in order for them, for them to survive and to live in different seasons of their lives. It's remarkable. And trust that God promises to care for you and direct you in every season of your life. No matter how you feel, no matter what you're struggling with, we trust that God is still there, present and active, working in your life for good. And the order of God's creation isn't limited to just animals either. Do we have any gardeners, any green thumbs in the room? Got one, got a couple. I like gardening, but I'm lazy and it gets weeded, so yeah. But bear with me. Something incredible about gardening is flowers. Oh my goodness. Again, hear what uh, Jesus says about flowers, the lilies of the field. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? It's incredible to watch how these little flowers transform from these tiny little seeds into some of the most beautiful things in all the creation. Husbands, take note. I think your wives like flowers, but yes. But it's remarkable. How much more do you think God cares for you than these flowers? It's almost like he makes them just because he wants to, because he enjoys it. There's a beauty to it a beauty to operating how we are supposed to live. And that's for all of us, for we are all his creatures. You and I live as part of God's ordered creation. And what are we called to do? We live according to his will. We live according to his laws. They provide the structure for us to orient, to locate our lives around. And sure, we will never measure up to the perfection that our God wants. We're still sinners. We're still flawed. But striving after it, contending for it. Guys, that is a life well lived. Here's three ways that we can live according to God's will. Three ways we live according to his laws. And the first law, the first way, we've already can check the box off because you showed up for worship today. We gather together in worship. But worship isn't the only thing that happens during this hour. We not only worship God, giving him thanks and praise, but first, comes down to us. He serves us. He forgives our sins and he enlivens us with his gospel. We learn more and more about what it means to be a Christian from the stories that we hear. And God commands us to do this, to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. To live according to God's law means to set aside time and to gather together and celebrate the amazing promises that he has for us. The second way we can live according to his law to his will is to live not inward 
but outward. Let's go back to my story of Thanksgiving for a moment. The key problem that I had there wasn't that I lacked in culinary skills, which I did, I'll admit. I still do, if we're being honest. It was what that I wanted to be an amazing host. The focus was on me and not on others. It was all about me, not anyone else. Thank Jesus that that was never his attitude, for he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, to death upon a cross. And he did all of it because he loved us. The focus was never on him. It was always on restoring God's creation and everyone in it. And Jesus commands his disciples and all those who follow after, so you and I in turn, to love one another as he has loved us. Who can you reach out to and love all the more? How can you take the focus off of yourself and instead aim it toward others? This is our joyful duty that we get to bear as Christians, to take the focus off of ourselves and to love and serve those around us. And the third way we live according to God's will is to give of our first fruits. Taking a look at our Old Testament lesson for today um, is a good way to go about this. Now, that first part of our Old Testament lesson is pretty well known. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Throughout high school when I was growing up, uh, I actually had this verse uh, on a plaque on my wall in my bedroom. It was, it's a great verse, fairly well known. and tells us about the incredible plan that God has for our lives. However, in the same section is this promise. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Let's not turn this into some sort of prosperity gospel where if we continue to do good things for God, God in turn will bless us with good things. That's not what this verse is saying. Yet at the same time, let's let the promise of this Old Testament lesson have its day. Give to God from your first fruits and trust that he will take care of the rest of your life, just as he does with all of creation. It's the way that he has ordered our lives to be. It's how we operate as the perfectly running Chevy small block V8. How we operate best in our world. So bring your worries, your troubles, whatever burdens that you might have. God has guaranteed a place for you in his creation. Death itself, the biggest worry of our lives, is defeated forever in Jesus' resurrection. Our Lord cares so deeply for you. And he will order and he will direct your days. His order provides purpose and meaning, direction for your whole life. It's easy for us to worry, but in Christ we have no reason. So let's all stand together and sing, thanking God for including us in his plan for his creation.